This morning, we're going to take a look at the third prong in our plug for plugging into the spiritual walk, as David was just talking about a second ago. The first week, we talked about the first prong, which is reading God's Word, right? We can't get the power we need, we can't get the energy we need in our spiritual walk unless we're first plugged into God's Word. Last week, we talked about the second prong, prayer, and how God is our Heavenly Father. He desires the best for us. He wants us to be engaged, and He wants us to come to Him as Daddy to engage Him on that level in our prayer life and to not... As Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 1, to not do your acts of righteousness before the world, but to come to Him in your secret place and let Him be the rewarder of you. Today we're going to talk about a third prong. Let's see if I can get this right. However it looks. That third prong, which is one that all of us practice on a regular basis, right? Has anybody in here ever fasted before, like a spiritual fast? I don't, I don't mean like a, a health fast where I've, I've done, as we've done intermittent fasting. We're trying to lose weight from time to time. And so we try to fast it from that for that reason. But have you ever fasted for a spiritual purpose? Anybody? One, two, three, four, five, a few of you guys in here? It's, it's a challenging thing. Most believers, if you talk to them, have never fasted. It's one of those four-letter words in the Bible that we stay away from. We don't like it. We like our food, which is another four-letter word that kind of is the opposite side of that coin. And so we try to stay away from this idea of fasting. We don't really understand it. We don't understand that the power and the energy we can get from it. And so we just kind of look at that. Oh, that's what those people in the Old Testament did. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what you find, though, if you don't really understand something, you avoid it, right? I, didn't, I don't understand algebra very well, so I avoid it. I don't understand, I understand Korean and Chinese, but I don't understand Arabic, so I avoid that. I, I, there's things, if I don't understand it, I tend to stay away from it. But what I want us to understand this morning about fasting, this idea of fasting, is it's something that's expected, actually, of all believers to participate in. It's expected in Scripture that we are going to, at some point in our life, on a regular basis, fast before the Lord. And you're thinking, well, how do we do it? Why do we do it? What's the whole purpose of it? Abraham Lincoln once said, I'm a, I don't want to mess up his quote. He says, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. Six hours to chop down a tree, and he'll spend the first four sharpening his axe. Now, why would he do that? Why would you spend, if you're going to, Pick up an axe and you want to just walk up and start chopping down a tree. You want to spend, make sure the time that the foundation is right, that your axe is sharp and it's ready to go. You're going to waste a lot more energy if you have a dull blade, right? In the mornings when I work with Nabisco, I get a razor blade I use to slice open some of the boxes and some of the packages. And I know that if I got a sharp blade on my razor, it goes right through it. No effort at all. In fact, I know that if my finger's in the wrong place, it's going to slice right through it. But if it slices through with a sharp blade, it's going to heal a lot quicker because it's got a nice, clean, I've done this a couple of times as you can tell, it's got a nice, clean cut. If I let my blade get dull, you push your way through the box or through the tape even, the cut that comes, which I haven't done this yet, but I know from experience in the past, the cut is not nice. 
It takes a lot more effort and you end up hurting yourself in the long run. A dull blade takes more effort. A dull axe is more dangerous. And if our hunger for things spiritual is dull, it takes time to sharpen our spiritual walk. See, that's where fasting comes in. Yes, we, can, we know we need to spend time in God's Word. We know we need to spend time in prayer. Those are the two prongs we all know about, right? But that this third prong this morning is just as important to our spiritual walk as we're talking about spiritual habits and things that are going to help us to strengthen and sharpen our walk before the Lord. This third prong is going to help us really to push on to the next level of our walk with Jesus where He wants us. Like I said before, most people have avoided this discipline, this habit, our whole lives. In fact, for Regina and I, even though we grew up in Christian homes, we went to a Christian school, it wasn't until like the end of our time at Liberty at the university when they even challenged us when we first heard about this idea of a spiritual fast. And I was 20 years old before I ever fasted the first time. And that was like for 24 hours. And I was like, oh, how am I going to fast? How am I going to go 24 hours without food? Oh, I can't do it. I'm going to suffer for Jesus just not having food, right? But you know, the idea of fasting in general is not a foreign concept. Think about growing up. Before you're 21, you're told to fast from alcohol, right? Before you're married, you're told to fast from sexual activity. You're told to fast and not participate in illegal drugs. Those are the things they do to you. We're told to fast from certain things our whole lives. We're told to fast from eating too much cake. Because if you don't fast from eating too much cake, what happens? You look like me. It messes up our diet. We, 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 we choose to fast from different things, so the idea of fasting is not wrong. We know that if we spend too much time on Netflix, we start binging your favorite show, you're going to not get any sleep. And it's not just Netflix. It could be whatever channel you like. You girl, ladies, DIY and HGTV. If it's on too long, you end up not getting any sleep. Guys, it could be, what's it? GT Tour or whatever that show is on Netflix that's out there now. They're watching all the fast cars and the, or the hunting shows or whatever out there that you want to spend too much time on. Or watching, last week we watched two football games. And by the end of the night, my wife was like, really? We're watching two? Well, honey, we came in almost halfway through the, second, the first one. So we had to finish the first one and then watch a second one, right? And today's the same thing. you got two games going today and... It's expected we're going to excite two games today. But there's only two games today, right? And, and in a couple weeks from now, there's only one game. And then to my daughter's dismay, what? No more football after a Super Bowl? Well, not for another eight months or whatever it is. <sighs> and she's going to walk around the house like this for the next four or five months and until... Time for practice comes up again in the end of August. We know that we shouldn't speed. So we fast from getting too fast on the road, especially on days like today. Because we don't want a speeding ticket. We don't want to get in accidents. We don't want our insurance to go up. We know sometimes we need to fast from speaking too much truth to people because maybe they're not ready to hear the truth. We know the truth. Maybe I know what Drew needs to hear, but I'm not been freed by the Holy Spirit to share it with him 
because I know he, the Holy Spirit knows he's not ready to receive the truth. And so we let God work in his heart. Those are kind of areas of fasting. When we think about it, we withhold ourselves. We don't do something. We don't say something. We don't act a certain way because we know it's not in our best interest or in another person's best interest to do this. So fasting itself is not a foreign concept. Maybe the idea of a spiritual fast is a foreign concept. So let's look at some reasons why people fast. Some of the purposes behind fasting. We're going to go through these real quick because I want to get to the main points. Number one, we gain spiritual alertness to overcome our temptations. Now Jesus was led into the, into the uh, wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And, he, and during that 40 days, he fasted from food. He fasted from um, to prepare his heart for his ministry that was getting ready to take place. And so when he came out of that 40 days, he was met by Satan and tempted three different times, and he was able to help to overcome that temptation because he prepared his heart, prepared his mind, and was really centered on God's Word. Secondly, you fast when you want to seek God's will about a specific matter. In Judges chapter 20, the Israelites fasted to determine the direction and battle they needed to go. If we're seeking God's direction for your life, what school to go in, what job to go to take, what girl or guy to date, these are spiritual, these are directions in your life that we look at life and go, I don't know, God, what do you want me to do? The pros and cons don't really weigh out, and I don't feel comfortable going any different or any direction, so I'm going to take time and fast for a few days to seek, really seek God's will. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted before choosing elders in the church in Acts chapter 14. Thirdly, repentance for sin. You really recognize in your life that you are not where you need to be, that there's a sin in your life, and you come before God and say, God, I need to come before you and really confess my sins before you. The Israelites fasted and prayed in 1 Samuel chapter 7. David fasted and repented of his sin in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Ahab, even Ahab, who was you know, that wonderful King Ahab, right? He even he fasted and repented after causing Naboth's death in 1 Kings. Hearing the word of God, Israel fasted. The whole nation of Israel fasted and confessed their sins. The nation of the uh, of, of city of Nineveh, when they were confronted by Jonah for their sins, they came before God. They put on the sackcloth and ashes, and they fasted and said, God, do not destroy us. They recognized their sins, so they came before the Lord in fasting. Okay? Secondly, we're concerned for the work of the Lord. Nehemiah fasted over the condition of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter 1. Our missionaries around the world are regularly concerned for the work that's going on. We mentioned Richard Lewis this morning as he travels to, to different countries, as he travels to in India and Nepal and different parts of Africa where it's dangerous, potentially dangerous for him. We have missionaries serving all around the world, 30 some odd missionary families that we support. And do we ever fast in the work that they're doing, for the work that they're doing, asking God to go before them and strengthen them for the work that God has laid before their hearts. You fast also for deliverance and protection. Josephat and all of Judah fasted for deliverance in battle. Ezra and the people fasted for the Lord's deliverance in Ezra chapter 8. The Jews fasted and grieved after King Ahasuerus' decree in Ezra chapter 9 for the destruction of the Jews. Asking for God's deliverance and protection. 
Next, we humble themselves. We pray fast to humble ourselves before God. David humbled himself before God in Psalm chapter 69. He said, God, I am unworthy to be your servant. I need to humble myself before you to seek your face, to let you come and become a part of me. Anna, in Luke chapter 2, humbled herself as an act of worship. Talks about daily going to the temple with prayers and fasting. Daily going to the temple with prayers and fasting. As an act of worship, fasting before the Lord. The earlier church fasted and worshipped the Lord as well in Acts chapter 13. And went in deep sorrow. We came, they came before the Lord. Sorrow over the death of Saul and his sons, David led the nation in fasting. David grieved over the life of his child in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He prayed and fasted for his enemies' troubles in Psalm chapter 35. And even King Darius fasted when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. He did not take any food at all because he was so concerned about his servant. He fasted. So these are all examples in Scripture. Like I said, very quickly, we want to go through that and show you that in Scripture, it is a regular habit, it's a regular pattern in people's lives to fast from time to time for all of these reasons. But all of these don't really hit the purpose why we're talking about this morning. Essentially, we're going to talk about fasting this morning because we want to increase our spiritual hunger. Our hunger and our desire for God. Our hunger and our desire for what God wants to do in and through us. I'm very, very thankful for the 12 of you who came this morning to brave the, brave the snow. This is more than 12 of you this morning. But I'm thankful that you came this morning to get out. Say, God, we love you. We're going to get out. We're going to brave the snow. We're going to brave the icy road conditions. We want to come and serve you this morning and to live up, to come and encourage one another in the body of Christ this morning. But this idea of fasting to increase our spiritual hunger. Look at chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. It's on the screen behind me. It says, And when you fast, Jesus is saying, When you fast, do not look gloomily like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. He says, When you fast, not if you fast, not maybe if you fast. He says, when you fast, when you come before the Lord as an act of worship and you deny yourself food, you deny yourself something in, an, in a way of worship before the Lord. Don't disfigure your face. You ever been around somebody who's not even fasting, somebody who, who's working out for the first time or you've gone to the gym and then you come out and you're, oh, what's the matter? I've been working out. And you can tell because they're walking like this. My muscles, I can't move. Or have you ever ridden a horse for the first time in a long time? And you, they get off the horse and the next day they're walking like this, right? What's the matter? Oh, my legs, I can't pull them together because they hurt so bad. You can tell when somebody's in agony because of that. They're doing something good, but they're in agony. Jesus says when you're fasting, it's a private matter. It's a private matter. Much like prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your private room, into that secret room where you're not going to get the reward from people standing up. Oh, Lord, we thank you for all the blessing that you've brought upon us today. 
So you get, that's your reward. If you come and you fast and you decide to do this and you decide to engage God on this level in, in your spiritual walk, and then you walk in here, oh, oh, Rich, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fasting. Oh, bless God, I've gone without food for 13 days now. Or 13 minutes, whichever it may be. That is your reward. Just like with prayer, our reward is not what people say, oh, good job, pat you on the back. Our reward is Jesus. Our reward is getting to experience more of who God is when we come before Him, either through prayer, Bible reading, prayer, or on our fast. He is our reward. He is why we come together. He is why we worship this morning. He is why we come and we want to spend more time in God's Word. He is why we want to come before Him on our knees in prayer. He is why we come before Him in the fast. He is our reward. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Is Jesus what you really hunger for? Is your relationship with Him what we truly, truly, truly hunger for? Or something that we just do on Sunday mornings we put up with? Because it's something we're supposed to do. Do we actually yearn and long for this relationship with God? On the website Desiring God, I read an article this week. He talks about the fasting called Fasting for Beginners. He says, We fast from what we see and taste because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible and infinite God and are desperately hungry for more of Him. That is why we fast. One of the purest reasons. We fast from what we see and taste in this temporal world because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible and the infinite God. And we long and are desperately hungry for more of Him in our, in our walk. If you have never fasted before in your life, you're missing out on that third prong in, this, in your spiritual walk, your spiritual discipline. And there's so much you can learn. And it's not going without food for 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours, whatever it may be. I'm not saying start off this week, say, okay, pastor, you made me feel guilty for not fasting uh, recently or at all in my life. And so tomorrow I'm going to go engage on a five-day fast. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saving engage tomorrow on a three-day fast. I'm not saving engage tomorrow on a 24-hour fast. I'm not telling you to do squat. This is between you and God. You and God. I'm not even telling you to fast from food. What is it that distracts you from your walk and your relationship with God? Food is what is mentioned in the scriptures, since that's where everybody goes back to. They fast from food, they fast from food, they fast from food. That's what is usually mentioned in scripture. But there's a lot of different things you can fast from. If your phone, if this digital thing up here is distracting you so much, turn off all the functions except your phone function and set that aside as well. Or do like Rod does and just get you a dumb phone or Rich has no phone. 
you know, if it's a distraction for you, set that aside and fast from that. If watching sports, sports center all day long is a distraction for you, shut that off, turn off cable, maybe disconnect it for a short time. What is it that distracts you? Food, it may, may be food. If you're a good Baptist, it may be food. If it may be TV, it may be the, your electronics, it may be going hunting, it may be whatever, I don't know. Looking in the mirror as you go by every 30 seconds. One of our daughters, not the one, any of the ones that are here this morning, one of our daughters, we used to tease, so that narrows it down, right? <laughs> There's three others in there. Okay, who is it? One of our daughters, we used to give her a really hard time. We had this mirror right by our front door in, in China. And she'd be walking, we'd be walking out to church. And she would just stop every time as she got to the mirror. Oh, it's like a magnet. Stop her. She couldn't go by the mirror without checking her hair, checking her looks, whatever, and making sure that she was presentable to the other people that we were going to come, come out with. It's not wrong to be, want to make sure you're presentable, but if that is a constant struggle for you, you, you can't get past that mirror, then there's something wrong. She's gotten over that by now. I just want you to know that, I think. Actually, there's four daughters here this morning, not three. I forgot the, one, the invisible one at the back. Sorry. She's, I'm the middle child. Oh, he always forgets me. The poor middle child. Denying our selfish desires. The fast. Denying our selfish motives, our desire. Seeking God alone is our reward. In essence, that's what we're talking about this morning. At its very core, its very essence, we're seeking more of the infinite, invisible, infinite God and seeking more of His power in our lives. Fasting will increase our spiritual hunger. It's also going to increase our longing, <coughs> our longing for Christ. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Last May, a year ago, so a year and a half ago, our oldest daughter got married. Looking forward to that day, picking out her dress, picking out her flowers, picking out her makeup, picking out her hairstyle, picking out the veil, picking out all this stuff that I had no part in when I got married, but my wife did. And I got to see my, wife, my daughter's excitement to present herself to her bridegroom on that day longing to be united with Him, longing to become married with Him, longing to spend time with Him, that evil creature who stole my daughter. Sorry, Mark, if you're watching. Longing to spend time with this young man, to be united with Him. Fasting does that in your relationship with Christ. See, the church is called the Bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom. We as the body of Christ are the church. He is our bridegroom. Do we long to be united with Him? Do we long in our spirits to become more engaged with Him? Do we long to know Him as a bride wants to know her groom? 
Fasting helps us to do that because we deny ourselves, we set aside everything that we think is important, and we choose to focus on our relationship with God. We understand that we, He is our reward. A.W. Tozer said this, in your relationship with Christ, we have as much of God as we actually want. Where you are right now, you have as much of God in your life right now as you actually want. Think about that for a minute. How deep do we really want to go? How much of an intrusion do we really want God to have in our lives? I love A.W. Tozer. If you've not read any of his books, you need to go pick up some of his books from the library or Amazon or somewhere, and you can get into those things. There's some great truth there, and that will help to engage you in your level as a believer. You have as much of God right now as you want. If you're not where you want to be spiritually, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. One of our passions ought to be to know Him and to make Him known. This week on my Facebook wall, my Facebook feed, an image came up that I was reminded of one year ago when the Kirby salesman came to my house. And I shared about that this afterwards in church. He came to my house to sell me a vacuum cleaner. I knew what he was there for. I sold him years ago when I was college. I invited him in. I knew his 30-minute presentation was going to take longer than 30 minutes. That's okay. Invited him to come in. And we went downstairs. And during the course of the conversation, changing the conversation to a more spiritual point, and he received Christ that morning. See, one of my passions, one of my deep passions is to know who God is. And this is how I get to know God's mind. I get to know God's mind by reading His words. I get to know God's heart by spending time in prayer as He speaks back to me. But I get to develop a passion for God when I deny myself my own passions. I get to develop a passion for the world when I deny myself my own passion for eating, my own passion for spending time on electronics, my own passion for doing anything else. And I focus and turn on God to know Him and to make Him known. Where are we in our longing for Christ, our longing in our relationship with Him? Thirdly, fasting will also connect us to the power, the invisible power of His Holy Spirit. The invisible power of God's Holy Spirit. He desires to infill us. He desires to envelop us. He desires to come and give us a new feeling each and every day. But yet we shut ourselves off from the Holy Spirit by the sins in our lives, by our by our, own, our selfish desires, our own selfish passions. And fasting helps us to set that stuff aside and refocus and let God's Holy Spirit fill us. So that we can reconnect, as Dave talked about earlier, reconnect and plugging in to the power 
of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul encourages the believers to do that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We all talk about, yeah, we know we need to have the grace of God in our lives. We know we need to have the love of Jesus filling us. But we're afraid to let the power of the Holy Spirit to really be in fellowship with Him. We're allowed to let Him really come in and change us and transform us. Because then radical change takes place. And we don't really want to change, do we? We don't really want to change. But God has not called us to be the same people 20 years from now that we are right now. When as I got saved as a seven-year-old little boy 42 years ago, I became a believer. It seems like that's a lot. Every year I'm like, really? It's been that long? 42 years ago, I humbled myself as a seven-year-old little boy, and I received the love of Jesus in my life, and my sins were forgiven, stripped away from me. The penalty of sin was no longer present in my life. Now, I still sin every single day. I want you to know that. My wife and my kids can attest to that. Many of those who know, those who know me better, you, you can attest to that as well. I am not the perfect pastor. Thank you for not saying amen. I am not the perfect father. I am not the perfect husband. I am not the perfect man of God I want to be. But as I let the Holy Spirit's power work in me, I'm becoming more like Him. I'm becoming more like God. And one of the ways that we do that is when we deny ourselves physical sustenance, we deny ourselves something temporal, and we deny ourselves that. And during that time when we deny ourselves, we focus on God. You go to God and you spend time in prayer. You spend time in Bible reading. You say, God, I want to know you so much, I'm willing to deny myself this over here so that I can spend time getting to know your mind and your heart to let my passion increase. I want that third prong to be there, to engage on that level. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans in Dallas says it this way. I love Tony Evans. He's, he's great. He says, the things in your house work because of electricity. Electricity is an invisible power that gives you visible privileges. It turns the lights on, turns the TV on, turns the toaster on, turns the oven on. All that stuff is working in your house because you've got one invisible power shooting through there called electricity. But none of those things work even though they have access to electricity until you flip the switch. You've got to make the connection before the stuff there works. Are you ready to flip the switch this morning? To go on that next step, the next level in your spiritual walk? We all know we need God's Word. We know we've got to spend time in prayer. But we also got to flip the switch and take that next step. These are spiritual habits that we are to make sure we are engaging in our lives every single day day. I'm not saying fast every day for the next year. You might end up really tiny. See, our, our charismatic friends believe that fat by through tapping into the Holy Spirit, we make God work for us, right? They want to, Holy Spirit, fill me so that you can work through me and 
that you can work in me and they, they can then accomplish great things. Instead, we teach, we want the Holy Spirit to fill us to make us work for God's purposes. It's not the selfish purposes that we ask the Holy Spirit to come in so I can speak in tongues, so I can heal people, so I can do all these great things, grow, showy things, get pats on the back. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me so that I can then in turn be used to engage others. So I can then in turn be used to impact others. So I can then in turn be used to impact people around the world through our missions programs. That is why the Holy, we want the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us. It's not selfish reasons. It's selfless reasons. Zechariah chapter 7, God says this. Then the word of the Lord of armies came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and the seventh month for those 70 years, did you really fast for me? The fifth and during the fifth and seventh months, the, the Jews, as they were in exile, would fast and pray, and they'd fast and they'd pray, but God had to ask them, when you were doing that, were you really doing it for me? Were you really undergoing these spiritual disciplines because you wanted to know me, or were you doing it for selfish reasons because you wanted me to bless you? Were you doing it because you wanted to know my mind, my heart, and my passion for the world? Or were you doing it because you were wanted me to bless you financially, to bless your, your life, or to bless your family, to bless some? Were you really doing it out of selfish, selfishness or selflessness? That's pretty convicting. When God looks at the nation of Israel, he says, did you really, when you're doing these things, did you really do it for me? Did you fast for me? Did you pray for me? Did you spend time in God's word for me? Did you give because you wanted, because you wanted to just be faithful and obedient? Or are you doing it trying to get something from me? See, many times when we come to church or we spend a time in God's word or we do these spiritual disciplines, these things we know we should be doing, right, as believers, what's our motivation? God, I'm afraid you're going to judge me if I don't do it. God, I want you to bless me so I do it. When really God says, I want you to do these things because I'm worthy. I want you to do these things because I'm your dad, I'm your heavenly father. I want you to do these things because you're my child. Your reward is me. Your reward is getting to know me. Anything else that comes out of it is a plus. It's a bonus. But your reward for doing these things should be God. That's what should drive us. Fasting for spiritual breakthroughs. When we I've shared this story before. In China, when we were putting up the wind turbines in North Korea, uh, those, most of you know, I think, that we put up the first commercial wind farm in North Korea, kind of like the ones that are out in Boulder, but much smaller scale. And as we're trying to ship these turbines from Palm Springs, California, over to, Cal over to North Korea on the, on the back of a shipping container, shipping boats, container ship, rather, we had to get permission from the U.S. government to ship technology to North Korea. We had to go to the Department of Defense. We had to go to the Department of State, Department of Commerce, Department of Transportation, and Department of the Interior, I think. We had to get, and we had to get five different departments <coughs> to sign off. And if any one of them refused to sign, 
were sunk. We couldn't ship these things over to North Korea. So for over one year, almost two years, our community of faith, the believers that were there, the other missionaries, we fasted for almost two years, asking God to remove this roadblock of this last department that didn't want to sign. And I don't mean we all, all of us fasted for 600 days. I'm not there. <laughs> I'd be really tiny. But what we did is every family in our community took one day. We took one day. So as a family, the other family would take Monday, January, whatever. And then another family took Tuesday. And then another family took Wednesday. Another family took Thursday. And we continued on. So it ended up about every three weeks, one family would pray for one day. We'd fast and pray for one day. And as we cycled through our whole community for almost two years, We've, our community fasted and prayed, fasted and prayed, fasted and prayed. Somebody was fasting and praying every day for almost two years until this roadblock was lifted. Did our team get the glory? Did we take the glory? Did we, look, look at what mighty thing we did. We fasted for two years. No. We all came together and rejoiced because God had done a mighty thing. See, when you fast and you pray, you get, your, you, get, you get your eyes and your mind and your purposes off of yourself. You get your mind and your purposes onto God and what He's wanting to do. He can remove these blockages. He can heal marriages. He can bring back children who've fallen away. He can heal sicknesses. He can renew your strength and transform your mind. You get your eyes and your heart and your minds off yourself and unto Him and His purposes for your life. So then the question comes, how do we fast? How? How then do we fast? These are the whys, and I hope that the whys are actually more important than the how. Do you agree with me there? The why we fast is much more important than the how. Because we, pray, we fast not to endear ourselves to God. We fast because we want to get to know God more. So then how do we pray? See, the basic idea here is to deny ourselves something temporal and take that time to, to connect to the eternal one. We deny ourselves something temporal. It could be food. It could be drink. It could be Xboxes. It could be hunting. It could be whatever you enjoy. It could be Facebook. It could be your phone. It could be anything, these other things around us that we enjoy that takes our time and energy away from God. And you deny yourself that temporal thing and you take that time that you normally would spend and you focus on God. So like when we, when we, fa when we fast at our house, we usually fast from food. Just, just saying, that's what we typically do. I know it doesn't look like it, but typically we do. Um, when we do, we, we take that time Now we have little kids who need to eat and so we feed them and then either Regina and I will then break ourselves away from that time at the meal and we will separate ourselves away go up in our room and we'll spend time we'll get on God, get with God's word and we'll get on God's and God's face on our knees and we'll spend that focused time praying for whatever's going on around us for you guys for the needs of our church praying for God and his breakthrough in our lives and then we'll flip-flop the next meal so that whichever one of us is spending just is with them at breakfast, the next one's with 
is gets to able to get away at the next meal together. It's really not that difficult. But the results in our walk spiritually are so awesome. As we get to see and experience the passion and the heart of God, because you're denying yourself a meal. It could be one meal. It could be two meals. It could be three meals. It could be one day, two days, three days, whatever. Start small. Take a meal and break away. Say, tonight I'm not going to eat dinner. I'm going to get alone with God and pray for 30 minutes. 30 minutes! It starts hard. I'm not saying spending time in Bible study and prayer with God for 30 minutes or an hour is going to be easy. <coughs> There used to be a book when I was in college that went around and said, The Hour That Changes the World. And I read that book. Yeah, it's me. I'm going to spend an hour a day with God. Just me and God for an hour. I'm going to get on my knees. You know how long that lasted? Once. It was hard. I'm telling you, it, it was not easy. But the more you spend time with God, the more you desire to spend time with God, and the more you desire to spend time with God, the more you want to spend more time with God. It's amazing what happens. This is like when you, when you give, the very first time you have to give, you give your tithe and your offering, you're like, really? I made 600 bucks this week, $648, and you remove the decimal point and you're very exact, right? Okay, 648 that's $64.80, and that's what goes in the offering plate because you're trying to get it just right. And now it's like, 640 okay, I'm going to give 650 I'm going to give 675 I'm going to give $70, whatever it is. And you aren't as concerned about getting it just exact, because more ends up being better down the road. You realize it doesn't matter how much I give, it's all God's anyway. It doesn't matter how much time I spend with God, it's all His time anyway. I'm denying myself that time to spend time with God. Some people have health issues, and so they can't take time away from meals, but we can all take time away from something. Are we ready to flip the switch this morning? To take that next step in our walk? We all got the two prongs down, right? We've been spending time in God's Word. We've been spending time in prayer. Those are, everybody knows about those, but what about this third one? Are we ready to really flip the switch and say, God, I want to go to that next level. Take me there. And I, I'll tell you, it will radically transform your walk with Jesus when you spend time with him in this way. You deny yourself something temporal so that you can then in turn focus on the eternal. The eternal one. Are you ready to flip the switch this morning?